two true freaks just got a little more random. Pop Culture Affidavit, the podcast that looks at everything random in the world of popular culture, is now on the Two True Freaks Network. Every episode is something different. Movies, comics, television, music. So join me, Tom Panneries, for Pop Culture Affidavit, the sworn testimony of a dork, at twotruefreaks.com and popcultureaffidavit.com. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Illogic. Foolish emotions. A constant irritant. And freak! Two! Well, I'm the circus. <laughs> right next to the dog-faced boy. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Oh, shit. It's a super prize package worth $9,388. Money. This isn't the biggest bag over the head. Punch in the face I ever got. God damn it! Ow! And now, together by live simulation via the internet, your hosts, Scott Gardner. He killed a police officer for Christ's sake. Thank God that lucky didn't kill him. And Chris Honeywell. Keep away! Keep away from me! You are physically repulsive, intellectually retarded, vulgar, insensitive, selfish, stupid. You have no taste, a lousy sense of humor, and you smell. Looking at me? Yeah, because she thought you're some kind of freak. Now come on, let's go. She likes me, eh? No way. Shut up, you freak! Julia Shoe. I say shut up! It's a man house! A man house! Hello, and welcome to Two True Freaks. Whether this is your very first episode or you've been listening for weeks, months, or even years, we appreciate the download and hope you enjoy the show. My name is Scott Gardner, and this is the final episode of a little something we're calling Conjure Month. Conjure was a brand new convention recently held in Orlando, Florida, at which I, Dr. Bill Robinson of Back to the Bins and Walking Dead Wednesday, and Scott Rifen of Dinner for Geeks and My Star Wars Story hosted several panels on various geeky topics from Star Wars to podcasting to one featuring Aaron Gray of Buck Rogers in the 25th Century fame to, finally, this panel on Star Trek. Incidentally, in case you're wondering, the reason we're not including the Aaron Gray recording is because, well, there isn't one. Ms. Gray specifically asked not to be recorded. Sad, I know. But she was a truly fantastic lady, a very gracious and entertaining host, and we really enjoyed her talk and wanted to respect her request. So anyway, as this recording starts, you'll hear me explaining to the audience how the name of the panel was a misnomer as it was listed in the program as Star Trek Podcasting, which is not what we were doing. 
Instead, this is really just what I feel we do best on Two True Freaks. Freeform, rambly, tangent-filled conversation between friends all about what we love. In this case, Star Trek. After that, there's a little post-con wrap-up with myself, Dr. Bill, and my youngest boy, Logan, at the KFC. I really hope you guys enjoy this episode, and please be sure to join us October 6th as Two True Freaks Proper triumphantly returns and we launch the premiere episode of our brand new Star Wars show entitled Growing Up Star Wars. On the second and third Mondays in October, Two True Freaks presents new episodes of your old favorites, Star Trek Monthly Monday and Comics Monthly Monday, respectively. And then, on October 27th, we debut the super secret project I have been so excited about. A completely brand new Two True Freaks show destined to be a must-listen favorite. Are you intrigued? You should be. It's gonna be good. See you folks in October. This was this was supposed to be just pretty pretty much just a Star Trek panel, but because we're all podcasters, the the way they listed it was Star Trek podcasting as if it was like going to be like a how to or something. I'm like, not quite the idea we had. So it was more of we're just gonna shoot the breeze about Star Trek more than anything. That's good. That's I kind of the idea. Every single Star Trek comic through about 2003 on my iPad right now. So. <laughs> Do you really? Yeah. You got the Gold Key run, the Marvel runs, DC runs. They're all there. So we're just waiting on, on one other one other panelist, Dr. and then we'll, we'll get we'll get cranking. We'll let him sit in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> I need somebody to read it to me. It's been so long since I've yeah, even I've worn it. Well, I don't even remember what's on it Yeah, I mentioned anymore. it to him earlier. The top ten reasons Kirk is better than Picard. Number ten is one word, hair. And I thought that was kind of a slippery slope. Chest hair, chest hair. Yeah, right. <laughs> even that, I don't think. But Because uh, did you, did you, have you ever guys ever read the uh, Bob Justman's Inside Star Trek book? Good stuff. It's great, great. But, and they talk about how when Shatner... Uh, first audition for the role and they were going to hire him and they, and they all as a producers all kind of had a meeting and said we like the Shatner guy but we got to do something about the rug because it's not good it's <laughs> quite ratty and uh, so they commissioned two custom hair pieces for him for the first season and they, you know they were made specifically for his skull and his pattern of baldness and all of that and the first season they take a break they go away and they come back for season two and one of the two two pages is missing and they go to him and go, Bill, did you, do you know what, uh, what happened to the toupee? No, I don't know what happened to the toupee. And then Justin's okay. And he starts to walk away. And then all of a sudden, Bob, you don't think I stole the toupee, do you? <laughs> not at all, Bill. No, no. I'm sure that's it. You're the only human being on the planet it fits. I'm sure it wasn't you. And that's, he also talks about how uh, Nichelle Nichols wound up with a lot of her dresses from the show and her wig she stole her wig but she was dating Roddenberry right so she could do that I don't think Shatner was dating Roddenberry so he had to do it on the QT Shatner's I would imagine it probably wound up in that big grain silo with all the other triples it's probably where it wound up <laughs> with all the other triples <laughs> but yeah so here I don't know what else is on there we'll run uh, through the, we, we'll run through the list right, here so what do we got here uh, number nine, Kirk would personally throw Wesley off his bridge. That's my favorite one. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yes, Out an airlock, no less. <laughs> or at least lock him in the ready room until he could go to his... Let's see. Number eight, Kirk would never sing to children in a crisis. No, yell at them, maybe. Sure. Yeah. 
Uh, well, he did. No blah, blah, blah. You know, he did. Uh, number seven, Kirk wasn't shy about taking his shirt off. And I will say at the beginning of the season, that's true. Yeah, by third that's, season, not yeah, so that's, much. They would circulate memos. Not that's so again much. in that Inside Star Trek book about <laughs> our star's expanding equator. As uh, the season went on, he would apparently crash diet at the beginning of every season, and then as the season went on, there was they had to adjust his wardrobe every year. Well, you can you can tell sometimes, you know, if you ever watch the shows, you know, or watch a channel that'll play the shows in just like random episode yeah. order, because that's how I grew up watching the show. Was just we watched, whatever's on that yeah, afternoon. We, yeah. we watched it out of it was uh, CKWS out of uh, somewhere in Canada. On somewhere in Ontario, Canada, and they just played just whatever the hell they had laying around. They didn't care. Because I can remember sometimes where they would start an episode, um, the, the two that they were always confusing was uh, where, where No Man Has Gone Before and The Corbin Might Maneuver. And it would start as one episode, and you go to commercial break. You come back from the commercial break, it was a completely different episode. Like, oh, come on. Really? What the hell? For the longest time as a kid, I'm like, really? this episode doesn't make any goddamn sense. What is going on here? And then I realized <laughs> years later when I started buying them on video cassette, it's like, those are two completely different episodes. So, yeah, but, I mean, these are back in the days where it's they were the literally, same. like, winding it into a film reel and running it, you know, projecting not the same, it. Uh, not in the same uh, uniforms. Yeah. Completely totally different. Totally different uniforms. Yeah, it did. It, start, it started as War No Man because they were in the, all in the gold. And then wow. they'd come back and it was, it was some point in, in Corporate Might Maneuver. It was crazy. Good grief. The things that, that don't happen anymore because everything's, you know, digital and, and uh, uh, what do you call it? The H, HD, watching them in HD now just blows my mind because you see, you know, details that you were never meant to see. And, yeah. That the stunt people were completely different. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can you can different. pick a Shatner stunt double. It. Space Seed's my favorite because at one point it's neither one, neither yeah, neither one of them, neither one, yeah, it's neither one of them. Quite so, obvious. Like, who are these guys? Yeah, that guy and his hair may be real. So that's the big thing. Let's see what else. What else is on the shirt here? Let's see. Revamping for yeah. vamping Wait, for, for Bill. Bill to show up. I, well, I figured we'd run through the <laughs> whole thing. They want to hear what your shirt says. All right. Kirk, what else? He's actually, I think Bill is actually blocking Aaron Gray from going to the bathroom right now. So, see, I know you got to go I, in, but please, I let me ask a few more questions. He went, he left us on the premise that he was taking a quick restroom break, and I think he's actually yeah, he meant, stalking Aaron Gray. Yeah, I was going to say, he meant he was taking Aaron Gray's restroom break, is what uh, he said. Uh, what you got number to, six, Number six, Kirk can be the Klingon barehanded. I got no questions there. Number five, three words, flying leg kick. Yeah. <laughs> True, it's true. Again, it's a totally different guy, but that's okay. Number four, Kirk doesn't let the doctor tell him what to do. Very nice. Of course, Kirk hasn't been intimate with the doctor either. I don't think. so. You never Number know. Three, they drink a lot together, if, so you if, never know. If Kirk finds a strange spinning probe, he blows it up. <laughs> I like that. Number two, Kirk never drinks tea, ever. And number one, Kirk can beat a Vulcan at chess. Very nice. He did. He did that. Where no man can go has gone before, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And he won that. Yeah, he won that. Yeah, he did. Spock. Are you sure you don't know what a frustration feels like? Or some some line yeah. to that effect. Well, we'll go ahead. We'll go ahead and get into this because I don't know where the hell Bill's wandered off to. But this this is the <laughs> level of professionalism that you can expect from two trip freaks. So anyway. You've got the two Scots here. My name is Scott Gardner, and uh, I am the, what, head ringmaster, co-conspirator, co-founder, co-creator of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, otherwise known as a podcast, but 
strangely, as many podcasts as there are out there, you say podcast to a lot of people, and they're like, I have no idea what that is. Well, I see that, that uh, NewsAz over there changed their name, also took the podcast out of their name as well. Yeah, we did. So, yeah. Same, same reason. Yeah. It's internet entertainment at this point. Nobody knows what a podcast is. Yeah. I think a lot of it, too, and, and I can joke about it because I was there, is that you say podcast to a lot of people, and they assume that, ooh, do I have to have an iPod for that? For the longest time, that's what I thought. I thought that podcast meant something to do with Apple iPod products, and no, it's... And that's where the name comes good. from, but, I mean, you can do it anywhere, anyhow, anytime. Uh, now, you, as part of, and Two True Freaks, if you haven't been Two True Freaks, oh, I'm sorry, my name is Scott Rifen, and uh, we have a podcast... We have an internet radio entertainment program <laughs> called uh, Dinner for Geeks, where we literally take a uh, an iPad and we put it like that at a dinner table, and we sit and have dinner every week and talk about geeky things. And then I take it back to my house and, and try to make it sound like we're actually coherent, which is sometimes a bigger challenge than it seems. Uh, but we it's 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 a lot of fun. And basically, what we did is we Scott Gardner did a podcast a long time ago and said, "Here are the rules. Here's how you do podcasting." We said, "All right, now we're not going to do that, 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 or that." And Let's see how he rocks guys in that. at some Let's point. Oh, oh, I knew you were stalking her. Did you get her autograph? Did yes, you pay did. for it? Did you oh. pay for it? Yes, I did. Uh, you know, that's me. I, I come to these shows and I go, I don't pay for autographs. We saved yes, you a seat. I don't pay for autographs. And then yesterday I'm sitting there with Joel Hodgson. Can I buy an autograph from you? <laughs> and I got a picture. Oh, nice. So this is our, our good buddy, our co-conspirator here, Dr. Bill Robinson, who is also on the Two True Freaks Network. He does, uh, you do, what, Back to the Bins, which is a show all about random comic books from the past, just... We just pick issues and read it and make fun of it a well, lot of times. Well, yeah, because that was Don't originally you your show, and you, you you brought me in. And we I also regularly do uh, Walking Dead Wednesday. And I uh, do a couple of Star Trek parody songs and a few parody songs yes. for the network. Yes, yes. Now, is that technically, are those technically folk songs? Or folk songs? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> just checking, just checking. Uh, now, now uh, there are, and by the way, if you've ever been to twotruefreaks.com, if you've ever checked out that internet radio, you know, there are a gazillion and two shows on there. One of which, though, you, you guys have been doing for quite some time. It is Star Trek Monthly Monday. Trek and the Monthly premise Monday. of that show is you actually have two different volumes of it that come yes. out every month. We have, uh, well, the, the main one, the one that's been running for just about six years now, is Star Trek Monthly Monday proper. It's uh, We cover the original series in random episode order, which which is probably is how you fun. watched it. Yeah, it, it's, we we went <laughs> with that yeah. uh, with that method strictly because uh, my co-host on that show is my best friend Chris Honeywell. We've been best friends since like the fourth grade, and that's how we grew up watching it. Uh, again, we watched it on CKWS television out of uh, out of Ontario, and it was completely random. It really had the feel like they were going to like the local library and renting like the Super 8s or something because it was, I mean, it was shit, I'll be honest with you. The quality was awful. I can remember episodes where, if any of you guys are old enough to remember like your parents having like Super 8 home videos and you'd watch them and they'd stutter when you were watching. They would do that while you were watching the episode on network television. It was ridiculous. But they were awful quality. It was grainy. My parents had lent me their old black and white television set when they got a color set. So we'd be upstairs, you know, watching these old crappy quality Star Treks and just loving it. You know, just falling in love with, with Shatner and his hamminess and just, you know, the cheese of it. But really loving it and, and just totally getting into it. So that's what we've tried to bring to that show as, you know, every month we just do a random episode. 
And then at some point, I'm not sure how long now we've been doing it. It's been a few years at least. Um, we kind of wanted to give what we felt was the other side of the, of the Star Trek coin. Although there have been many different incarnations of Trek now, to us, there was essentially really two. There was original Trek and there was Next Generation. And so we started doing Next Generation. Of course, Next Generation being more um, episodic in the area, more, more, more sequential. linear. Yeah. Sequential, that was the word I was thinking sequential in nature so we go in the actual order of the episodes on that we're having a blast on that because while i do have a very deep love for next generation i have no problem whatsoever taking the piss out of it i love making fun of picard because he's not kirk i love him because he's not kirk but in the show i take a lot of cheap shots at him because he's not kirk but i actually really like patrick stewart a lot he's a great guy he's a really show good everybody actor. your shirt we did yes rock star in on us yes. <laughs> yeah but now but you also in addition to doing the episodes you also review one of the comics right yeah we started out doing um I think the very first ones we did was the Marvel Comics yes, series yes that spun out of Star Trek the Motion Picture. Or the now, We Can't this, Really this Do is Star Trek where, series. This is the right? point where you guys might just go, I'm done with this panel and get up. But I have a confession for you. My personal favorite Star Trek adventure of all of them is Star Trek the Motion Picture. I am a vigorous defender of that movie. Uh, yeah, I know, I know. But no, I really do like, I like that one a lot. And, uh, and so Marvel Comics, when they got the license to do uh, Star Trek as a comic, they, uh, their license was basically they could do anything that was related to Star Trek the motion picture. And that was it. So their comic is of a wacky quality. The, it's, it's all over the map as far as the quality. Yeah, Some of the stories... The, uh, there's a haunted big, house in space. Yeah, that, there's yeah. a big green rabbit. So many good ideas. Wait, that's the other no, That's, that's the other one. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, so many really good ideas, but just some really strange executions. Some writers that I really wonder if they ever even watched a Star Trek episode. Um, some of the top talents in comics as far as the art. So a lot of times you get these really bizarre, very strange, sometimes really lousy stories with like beautiful pictures in them. Only lasted 18 issues, and I blew through them, did like snappy, snarky reviews of them, and then we've gone on and we're doing... Uh, the much better DC comic stuff in the actual uh, order of the issues. And those have been a lot of fun. We're in kind of a strange era right now. It's just prior to Peter David uh, coming out. relaunch. Or... Yeah, it's essentially a relaunch. And we're in this weird period where, again, the guy that's writing is, uh, jo- uh, I was going to say George Carlin, that's not right. Mike, Mike Carlin. Mike Carlin. Seven I, I, words you can't say in Star Trek. <laughs> I respect him greatly. He's a, he's a great uh, editor, great writer, but not of Star Trek. So we're in this kind of weird phase. But I've, I have found if there's one thing we've learned from comic book style podcasting over the years is that the crappier the comic, the funnier an episode it makes for Because you can just <laughs> totally just tear it apart and just kind of take the piss out of it. So it's a lot of fun. I, we've, we've been having a blast doing that. There is a kind of a teeter-totter point where it, the comic has got gets so bad that even you feel depressed trying to make fun right. of it. Yeah. But uh, but some of the Star Trek stuff, yeah. And then they, they went and relaunched with the Peter David as in a deluxe format. And so that's what's, what's coming up next on that? That won't be far in the future because I think what we're going to do is we're going to do a fast-forward through the rest of the really painful Carlin stuff and uh, get to the Peter you David. You don't want to go fully into Conom and no, Bearclaw? No, and not really. They're, they came up with all these secondary characters because you know, let's they face can't it, advance they the main characters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They can only do so much with the main characters of Kirk and Spock and those guys. They can't really endanger them. 
And also, this was they were putting these out at a time when the movies were, you know, the feature films were still coming out. So they didn't know what was going to happen in the next film. And I think they learned some harsh lessons in between Star Trek II and Star Trek III yep. and also Star Trek III and Star Trek IV where they were allowed to do whatever they wanted, essentially, and keep the story going. Oh, and then but they had to write it. They goes, well, everything you said is crap because, you know, here you go. Here's the new movie. So, you know, they did like three years' worth of stories between Star Trek III and Star Trek IV, and then the movie comes out, and, yeah, we've been on Vulcan for three months. We haven't done anything. It's, yeah, well, they, so. I mean, they, they found ways to write themselves back into it, and you've got to give them credit for that. But, yeah, it, essentially, it, they look kind of foolish. So the, the era we're in now is post-4, so it's completely wide open because at the end of 4, you know, it ends with them, you know, here's a new mission, and we're you know, going off to you know, test out the new Enterprise. And so it, they've, it's given a lot more freedom and uh, a lot more stories, but we're also finding that while they do have this wide-open palette, it's very strange in that it's quickly becoming rehash of the of the month because they keep bringing back elements from the old TV series. So mm. it, it's very odd in that sense. But I know that uh, when Peter David comes in, uh, or came in, because I mean, we're talking about books that are like, what, almost 30 years old at this point, uh, he kind of breathed new life into uh, into Trek. Uh, if you guys ever get a chance to meet uh, Peter David at a con, definitely meet him. Great guy, one of the best... Uh, best friends that Star Trek's ever had in, in the fan community. He's written some amazing stuff, both in comics and novels. Yeah. Now, uh, now, have you ever have you ever gone full swing, full bore into the novels? I've done a few reviews here and there, not as many as I would like. I've actually been considering for a while actually going all the way back to, like, say, like the Timescape stuff and just mm-hmm. going straight through. Because as a kid, I read those books as they were some coming out. Good, I loved it. That's the problem is that there's some really good ones, but there's a lot of really horrible ones. So it's, it can be kind of a slog. And as a kid, I read them as they came out, and I, I devoured them because, you know, I grew up as a kid in that kind of gray area where Star Trek kind of went away for a while. And then when it came back, all you really had was the movies. I mean, between... 79 with uh, with the motion picture and 87 with uh, with next gen there was just the feature films and they were three years apart so much the same way as the Star Wars expanded universe popped up to kind of fill that void for for the fans you know with the comics and novels Star Trek did the same thing there was the comics and the novels and also I devoured the novels and there were a lot of them they were very prolific but again that that being prolific doesn't always lend itself to, hey, it's awesome. And so there were a lot of just crappy books. And I can remember I finally got to um, one called The Final Reflection. And if you've ever oh. seen the covers, it's the one with, like, two, I think it's two Klingons playing chess. And I just looked at it and goes, I don't really like next uh, original series Klingons. I really don't like chess. This looks like it's going to suck. And it did. And I, I just kind of stopped reading it at that point. But, strangely, I've co- continued to collect the books all my life. And I've got you know a giant shelf full of all these Star Trek books. So I've been trying, little by little, to get back to doing more book reviews. But I actually find that the books for the later incarnations of Trek are the ones that are actually more interesting to me. So I've been trying to inject those. Because although we focus on TOS and TNG... From time to time, we'll do specials about the other series. And we just had one uh, last month, as a matter of fact. Um, we, the, Me and, again, my best friend are the main guys for, for Two True Freaks. But we just wanted a little break. We've been doing podcasting nonstop for six years. And we were just like, we need a month off. So we took a month off. And thanks to the network that we've built, we've got so many great other podcasters on there now. 
that these guys were like, you guys take a vacation, let the inmates run the asylum for a while. So they took over and they did something called Assistant Editors Month where they took over all which of our is, shows for one month. Which is a riff on an early 80s Marvel stunt, yeah. Marvel Comics and, and it was so much fun. And listening to it, it was fun because they were kind of, they kept taking a lot of cheap shots at me. It's like, Scott would never cover this if it was him running the show, so let's cover this. And one of the things that they did with D, was DS9 because they know that I'm not the biggest DS9 fan in the world. And it was a great episode. It was really a lot of fun. And because of the success and the reception of that episode, uh, I understand that those guys are actually going to start doing a regular DS9 show. Oh, so we're gonna have, now we're going to have those three covered. What about the Enterprise show? Um, that, that well, a couple did. years ago, um, a good friend of ours, uh, Chris Johnson, joined me, and we did a special that was probably a couple hours long, two or three hours long, and where it was covered all of Enterprise, or at least it was the latter two seasons of Enterprise. Was the Judith and Garfield Reeve Stevens seasons? Weren't they involved? Yeah, yeah I, think so, I think so. They kind yeah. of were brought in to save it because they had a good feel for, for Star Trek at that point. It's funny because, you know, DS9, I, I watched a little bit when it first started, and I, and I didn't stick with it. Voyager was the same thing. I watched a little bit of it, didn't stick with it. And then Enterprise came along, same thing, and I tried so hard with Enterprise to stick with it, and I just never did. And then years later, and I think it was because of Chris Johnson, somebody kept telling me, dude, you got to give it, go back and watch it. I was like, no, I tried, I didn't like it. No, no, go back and watch it. You you love the space program, you love everything about NASA and the Apollo program, and all. you got to go back and watch Enterprise. So I went back, and he was like, here's the thing. You're going to have to slog through the first two seasons, but you get to three, you're going you're gonna to see what I'm telling you about. And he was absolutely right. I went back and watched it, and if you've never watched Enterprise all the way through and really given it a solid run, Go back and try it one more time because I'll tell you what, I was shocked to discover that the third season of Enterprise is some of the best Star Trek's ever been. It's really, really solid stuff. And what's cool about it is that it it uses a modern TV formula of an entire season telling one story, which is something that just didn't exist in 60s or even 80s TV. But for this particular story arc, it really works. Every single episode builds to itself that by the time you get to the season finale, you feel kind of like, whew, that was, that was intense. That was pretty cool. And the really nice thing about it is that while you get a grand finale to the story, story ain't over. Because as mm-hmm. soon as you think, wow, that was cool. That was a, oh, wait a minute. A whole new curveball has been thrown at you with a great cliffhanger ending that keeps you coming back for the next time. And, you know, as much as I wish the original series, uh, you know, Shatner and the guys had gotten their seven years, I think the greatest sin that's ever happened to Star Trek is that Enterprise didn't get more seasons. Because while they were filming what is probably arguably their greatest episode while they were filming that episode and they got done with this particularly intense scene where the captain um, Archer Archer is delivering a a message to the crew a very inspirational Shatner-like message as soon as they were done filming that scene they got to notice that hey you guys aren't being picked up for a fifth season and it's just like could you know? Could that be any more ironic that they had finally hit their stride? And it's it's such a shame. It was really a good show. It was really headed in, in some great places. All of the the criticism that had been leveled against the show, I tend to agree with. But the thing was with that show is that by the time of you know midway through season four, they were addressing those problems. They realized, and this is something that I feel doesn't really happen in fandom these days. Um, you know, if you're into other fandoms, like say a good one I, I can use as an example, I think is DC Comics. 
I think they're doing some horrible stuff with their properties right now. Horribly mismanaging classic characters and not paying any attention to their longtime fans that are going, dude, I've been supporting you for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and you suck right now. Can you please throw me a bone? Totally not listening to these fans. But with Enterprise, they were listening to their fans. Star Trek, uh, you know, they were listening to the, the hardcore Star Trek fans that are going, look, love Star Trek. You guys stink. Can you do something? And they did. They were really working on addressing those problems, and unfortunately the, the audience just wasn't there and they got canned. I think one of the things they did, too, is they went and recruited, because I, I, I think anybody who did watch early Enterprise realizes that they did a lot of, they didn't seem to really care that there had been a show before them. Yes. Yeah. They didn't yeah. really seem to care about, you know, we actually have, eventually have to match up this continuity with that continuity. Oh, right. we don't care. We're just gonna we're gonna contradict it and ignore it everywhere we can because it's a right. new era. Right. And they always use the cell phone argument, which the cell phone argument. I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you now drives me nuts. Well, you know, in Enterprise, they've got cell phones. We've got cell phones now that are smaller than the communicators on Star Trek. So obviously, we can't have that. Guess what, guys? My cell phone cannot communicate into space without a tower. <laughs> I'm just saying that's it's not the same exact thing. We have a network of towers. They can go to whatever planet they want to and talk with their communicators. It's not the same technology. It's okay if it's a little bigger than a cell phone. And, you know, there's certain... Bigger. There's two models, one bigger, yeah. one yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Our, our cell phones, the bigger, the farther we go, the bigger the cell phones now start to get all of a sudden. Another couple like, hundred uh, years, it'll be yeah, a boombox size that will yeah. carry it around on your shoulder. Exactly. You know, we went from little tiny earbuds that went, and now we're wearing gigantic pillows on the sides <laughs> of our heads. Uh, but you have the Lobot going. Yeah, so it, it's, 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 to me... They did a lot of things where they just were deliberately trying to disregard the legacy of the show. And the problem is the show, the first group you've got to satisfy are those hardcore fans. Right. And a couple of years into it, when they realized we launched a network uh, with around Voyager and we did okay, but now we're really, we, we don't know what we're doing and we've got to keep this thing going. Um, and, and my understanding is they went out and got Judith and Garfield Reeve Stevens involved right. in that. And those... Judy Engar, Reeve Stevens were two of the writers of a lot of these novels that were very well thought of, and they wrote some of the best. Uh, basically, yeah. mm-hmm. when William Shatner wrote what a dozen Star Trek novels or so, continuing Kirk's yeah. adventures after Kirk died, which is fantastic. Um, only Shatner could bring himself would, back. could bring himself back to life. I mean, think <laughs> about that. But basically, if you see a Star Trek novel written by William Shatner, it is actually a Star Trek novel written by Judith and Garfield Reeve Stevens. Right. Uh, they're they're his co-writers, which means he sat down and went, "I've got an idea." It's a musical yeah, version yeah. of Julius Caesar, yeah. and then they go and write the <laughs> the novel. Okay, Bill, we got it, and then they write the novel. So uh, they were very well thought of at the time. They were they're very steeped in Star Trek lore. They know what uh, they're doing. Have you read those novels? The, uh, the I've read the first couple. I've got them all, but six, it's a matter right? of six. I, I love them. There's more than that. Yeah, there's nine or ten. Yeah. Oh, there's, there's a prequel. There might yeah, not yeah, be a, quite yeah. an even dozen, but yeah, there's yeah. there's yeah, there's, there's a lot. I think, of, I think there were yeah. I think there were three trilogies. The preservers, then, then another yeah. one. Yeah. The board get involved. Well, yeah. the, the first one that he well, you know, he, did, he did Ashes of Eden, which I I always forget about that one because Ashes of Eden, except before, um, except before, and you know what that is, Ashes of Eden. Ashes of Eden. Well, Ashes of Eden was was a treatment that Shatner came up with for a Star Trek film. And he went to Paramount and said, here's your Star Trek film. And they went, eh, we're at Next Generation. Sorry, no, we're not doing this. That's a shame. And so he went back and had it. Okay, fine. Well, we've got this. Let's do something with it. And he got them to craft it into a novel for him. And from there, it just kind of then Okay, now how can I bring me back to life? See, I, 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 I got good by Ashes yeah. of Eden, but that's the one that was set before Generations. But the one that's set immediately after Generations, The Return. I think it's The Return, think, yeah. The return. That's where Damn, they go. They beam up been, his I wish body. that had been the next movie. His body gets beamed out of the grave, and they take it out. Fantastic and they, 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 they borgify him somewhat. Bring him back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
But it was fantastic. It was fantastic in that if you like classic Trek, like you know the the original series, that book spoke to me because it had every every element in it you expect from Star Trek. It had a lot of action. It had it captured the feel of the characters. You know the dialogue was superb. The premise of the thing was very good. But what I really liked about it, and it's one of those things you don't hear a lot spoken about Star Trek in a positive light, but we try to really point it out on Two True Freaks, is the cheese of Star Trek. Star Trek can be damn cheesy sometimes, but when you embrace that cheese, it's a lot of fun. And I think too many people want to shy away from that. And when they do, you kind of lose. Yeah, exactly. Embrace the cheese. Should be a t-shirt. Embrace the cheese. (laughs) Don't want my cheese taken away. I need my cheese. (laughs) Show me your cheese. (laughs) No. But I no, want cheese, Mister. But you know, but what's interesting? What was interesting about those Shatner novels, the, the uh, continuation novels, was they weren't really bound to a whole lot, and they weren't held to a whole lot because there was no future for Kirk after that, and they were making up a new future. The problem with a lot of the novels, and there are hundreds of them at this point, there were ninety-seven numbered pocket books, and that's not counting all the specials and all the extra novels they did that weren't. Numbered right. because so they had the special oversized ones that didn't yeah, get in exactly. the numbering, starting like with Enterprise Sky. and Stranger Sky, yeah. And, Amorphosis. Uh, uh, yeah, so uh, the, what was the one about Kirk's dad? It was right after Strangers from the Sky, I think. Something. Something Destiny? Uh, Final, no. Fr- Final Frontier. Final Frontier, yes. 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 Easy title to forget. Um, but they, they, they had hundreds of novels. The problem with the novel is a novel is big, and it's a big story, and it, you have to tell a large story on a large canvas. But with the Star Trek characters, by the time it's done... Nothing can have changed. Yeah, you got to put it right there. Yeah, so you have to put every toy back in the box exactly where you left it by the time you're done, and which means, yeah, you've read 400 pages of a novel where really, ultimately, nothing happened. Well, the other big thing, and that's too, what's nice about the Shatner novels. The other big thing too is that they didn't play in the in the. See, it's hard to call it an expanded universe because it's really not. Like with the Star Wars expanded universe, one of the nice things about that was for the most part they all had to conform to the same timeline. Mm-hmm. Star Trek novels, unfortunately, up until recent times, didn't do that. So if you were following Writer X, Writer X followed their own timeline. But if you followed Writer Y, might be dealing with some of the same secondary characters. Like I remember the Romulan commander, the female Romulan commander from... The Enterprise incident mm-hmm. died like five different ways by five different writers over the course of all these novels. If and Kirk can get better, she can too. Well, Scott. it just becomes really confusing that when you when you would pick up a new novel, you'd have to go. Now wait a minute. In their last novel, She's who's alive sister. and who's dead, and you know, it just became really confusing. But no, I agree with you. That was one of the great things about the Shatner ones. Plus, with with the Reeve Stevenses being so really steeped in Star Trek. One of the common criticisms that that I heard about Generations, that, well, I kind of shared it myself, was that it kind of promised us, or at least I felt like it did, the you know something we had as Star Trek fans have been looking forward for a long time, which was the melding of the two crews, the classic and the next gen. They were finally going to meld. They were finally going to, and we don't get any of that in the movie. We get Shat, or we get Kirk and Picard, and worse yet, we get Cameron as the captain of the Enterprise. I'm sorry, but the Enterprise is the flagship of the Federation. They don't give Cameron the keys to the Enterprise. He can't handle his dad's convertible, much less oh, if the he'd Enterprise. Have out of He's going to put it in the in that. Oh, I love that. I He's love gonna, that so much. You see just the Enterprise just back, back out, out of the window, window yeah. and fall. That would be, oh, I would love that. 
That would have been put the brick on the well, gas pedal of the Enterprise or reverse. He already it. locked up on the bridge like he did, you know, after after the car got smashed. He just sat there. What do I do? Admiral <laughs> Kirk, help me. But those books, though, if, if you follow the series of Shatner's books, Kirk eventually meets everybody. And, yeah, you know, they, does they bring, everything. They bring Abraham old Lincoln. McCoy into it. They bring old Abraham Lincoln. No, Abraham Lincoln I don't think shows up. <laughs> but they brought in uh, old McCoy. They brought in old Spock. Scotty shows up. And then Shatner eventually winds up uh, – I keep saying Shatner. Kirk winds up. On DS9 and gets to interact with all those. So it's it. I mean, it's really it's a fanboy's dream or a fangirl's dream that all these oh come on Star Trek fanboy ca- go ahead say it. all these Star Trek characters <laughs> Fan that you've always wanted to see play in the same sandbox they finally get a chance to and it's it's so much fun. And I, again, they weren't bound to having to put Kirk back in the toy box exactly the way they right, found yeah. him because he was dead. he's dead. Well, they even managed to weave the movies in and out too so even when they were left in places where you would feel like I don't see how you could make insurrection fit with Kirk being back they they managed to pull it off and mm-hmm. so they weaved in and out around the films as they came out and it was it was actually very well written I concur did they use I that face stretcher thing on Kirk that, you know what, kind of, have you seen Shatner yeah, lately it actually in, does look like they used in the face stretcher thing oh, yeah. they used on Anthony Zerba but, uh, the Phantom of the Park. Really, the the only one that's kind yes, of been given short shrift so far would be Voyager because we we have not really done a whole lot with Voyager. I would like to at some point. It just becomes a matter of there's only so many you know hours in in the day or in the podcast. Voyager had some good episodes. I, you know, once Voyager gets but past, it was more. See, I'm trying to remember what episode or what season ends. One there's one season that ends on a cliffhanger called Scorpion. It was Scorpion's part one and part two. And part one was in one season. Part two was in another season. It's the one that brought in part two brings in seven of nine. Mm. Once you get there, that's when that show Chicote starts to pick up. Story. I won't say it ever gets great. I can't go that far, but it picks up. It gets a lot better than than it ever was. But the problem with that show is that those first, I think it's three seasons, three or four, I forget. But those first three or four seasons, they started off wanting to do Lost in Space and wound up doing Gilgan's Island in Space. And it was just awful. It's, the Kazon sucked. Was, was Harry Kim was, Gilligan? Justin. He takes a lot of crap for being the, the, the Wesley Crusher of Voyager, but I actually kind of liked Harry Kim because I think the intention with that character, part of it too is I met the guy in real life and I couldn't hate him. He was so nice. <laughs> he was the nicest guy I'd ever met. He was just, you know, you, you walk up to him one and maybe slug him and you walk away going, oh, can I give you a hug? He just was the nicest person, you know. Part of the, part of the place where I think Voyager dropped the ball is historically Star Trek has always been about finding humanity and exploring the human condition. Right. And in the first series, they had Spock, who is a character who is searching for his humanity. That's right. his trek, really, on the show. And in the second series, you have Data. It's a very different thing. Right. Where Spock comes from a race where they've purged all their emotions, and he's trying to find his humanity. Data is is uh, is Pinocchio, basically. Right. And he's not human. He wants to be human. So you've got his voyage trying to find his humanity. Right. And in Voyager, they had the most marvelous setup in the pilot episode, and I just knew they were going to take Bob Picardo's doctor character and make make part of the ongoing storyline his quest for his humanity. First off, Bob Picardo's a great performer. Yes, he is. And could do a whole lot. And then they just kind of didn't do it. But they did kind of later. Yeah, much later, yeah. But yeah, but yeah, yeah you're right. He just kind of... It, it should have been kind of an evolution of that character as things went on, but... 
They dropped the ball. I felt like that was a show that was actually. I I hear Voyager criticized horribly for not having a good cast. Mrs. Columbo, I I mean, take Neelix away, because I can't defend that character. Take him out of the mix. And I think they actually did have a, a really good cast of, of characters that just somehow just kept failing to, to live up to the potential. I thought Tuvac was a, was a hell of a good character. I liked Tim Russ as an actor. I thought he was really good in that role. They just didn't give him enough stuff to do. Um, who else? I thought Kim was a good character. I thought initially the redemptive arc of Tom Paris started out pretty good and again they didn't really do a lot until they kind of paired him up with Belana they didn't really do much with him so it's just a show that just kind of seemed like it was continually stumbling and trying to find its identity and then when you got Seven who all I will completely cop that I started watching it again when Seven came in because Go ahead. They say that they brought her in as this, you know, breakout character, and she's going to be the spot. Come on, let's be honest. They brought her in because you know she was jiggly and in a very tight outfit. So I started watching it again. But I started, and in that process, I suddenly discovered that okay, maybe they brought her in for very sexist reasons. She's actually really good. And she becomes the Spock. She becomes yeah, the human, and she grounds the entire show. And so from then forward, it, it does become very interesting because finally you've got that that human element that Roddenberry was always working you know so hard to bring into it you know of exploring the human condition because her story was tragic, you know she was assimilated as a small child never really remembered any of it, and now being cut off from the collective unwillingly and for a long time struggling to reconnect because she didn't want to be human she she as far as she was concerned she was a borg and happy to be so but now she comes eventually to realize that ain't going to happen so i'm going to have to deal with this human thing and learning to become a human being again and and to deal with other people and her emotions and her sexuality and everything I enjoyed it. I, I, her her character arc was it became the most interesting one of the show. It kind of took over the show, and I've often wondered how the other actors who had been there, you know, from day one, how they felt about that. I've never really read much dirt on that, so I guess they were cool with it. But I'd just be interested to know that. Well, what's her name did leave almost immediately. Um, I can't remember the actress, the one that played Kess. She mm-hmm. kind of just. And yeah, she, she she was a character with a lot of potential too, and again she wound up being the hailing frequencies open sir you know person for every episode, and I, so I couldn't uh, you know I couldn't blame her when she left. Star Trek had to, had kind of a history of doing that though, you know. Well, uh, yeah, when you look at the original series, the orig- the, the the big seven, most of the time really didn't have that much to do. See, I've always kind of chafed against that myself. I've heard it called that so many times, and I don't see it as the Big Seven. I see it as Shatner and the Seven Dwarfs, which is, I think, how he refers to them, and it pisses them off. But I kind of see it that way well, because... Well, you can't take away from Spock, though. I mean, I mean, Spock took over the show for a bit there. For a while. For a uh, while. It's more like the Big Three. Big th- it's it, the Big it, Three it and the other four. The Big Three. Or yeah, the Big Three and the other four. The, the Big Three and the less interesting the four. The less interesting yeah. four. <laughs> Well, see, that's the funny thing, though, is that, you know, with the latter series, you know, from Next Gen forward, the other characters, to varying degrees, honestly, but the other characters did get their moment in the sun. You'd have a Wesley episode. You'd have a Deanna Troy. You had multiple Deanna Troy episodes, unfortunately. You know, you'd have a Riker episode where his dad came on the ship. Worf's parents came to the ship. 
I always wondered if, if Star Trek, the original series, had, had lasted those full seven years or longer. Or, why, no, five, why, I'm sorry, five years. Five years. Why do you keep going? Sorry, five years. It's seven-year mission. I, I think seven years because most of the other five shows years. went seven it's years. five-year mission. But yeah, five years. We might do something else. You know, would we have gotten more, like, would we have gotten a, a, a really good, like, Uhura episode where we actually learned something about this woman? What's her first name? Where's she from? You know, what? why is she on the ship? And all these, and we never really get that with the original guy. So it's funny that they're the ones that, full circle, are back in the spotlight again. They're the ones that have had the most adventures in, you know, print. Yeah, because for, between get... comics and but they're actually the ones that, when you think about it, we kind of know the least about the original crew of any of the other characters because most of the stuff we think we know about them honestly comes from other sources that are not canon. So it's uh, it's really strange because yeah. we never met Kirk's parents. We never well, I mean, Spock really was the only one that we really learned a lot about. We went to his home, we met his folks, you know, we met his potential wife, and you know all these other things. And Shatner. Kirk as a character was kind of closed off. You know, we met his brother. his brother in the one episode, and you know, he rolls over and he's dead. And yeah. there you go. There's a brother. That's, that was pretty much it. Pretty much his twin brother with a mustache. Yeah. That's right. So I would have liked to seen. I would have loved an episode like uh, you know, like Scotty's parents come for you know, bring a parent to work day or whatever. You know? <laughs> like, I love stuff. Yeah, I, I love it's to parents see weekend it. on the Enterprise. I mean, you learn so much Mike about Myers people in real the old life. Guy from so I married an axe He's got a big head. <laughs> hey, Scotty. <laughs> Your captains, look at the noggin on them. You know, uh, but but you also have to admit that back in that era, TV was let's focus on our big star oh, yeah. every mm-hmm. week, one and done. If you had a two-parter, that was an amazing event that right. was to be. But and pretty much nothing one. really carried over right. from week to week. Well, that's what lent into the the fact is as a kid, I could get into this show that was completing you know played in completely random order because it, that's the feel of TV back then. You could pop yeah. in any episode of you know Barnaby Jones and fall right into it because every episode was the same. The Hulk. You know, but it was always confusing. Shows. Though. Wow, why is his hair looks different? Why is he so much fatter here? What? Yeah. I don't understand that. What kind of diet is he on? But you know, really, I mean, you can you can pretty much dive into classic Trek in pretty much any episode, and I don't think that's quite the same story with with the latter. With no, the, maybe next gen to a degree. You well, you could watch the maybe the first and part of the second season in any order, and right. certain standalone episodes. But why series. would you want to? But yeah. when, when I first started watching Next Gen, I think the very first, you know, I, I watched like the initial, right, like the first half of the first season, and the only reason I didn't stick with it is I, you know, I graduated high school and started working my first job, and I went into the service, and I just kind of lost track of it, and I tried to pick it up years later, and the first episode I watched, I think it's one called Conundrum, and it's this one where at the beginning of the episode, there's, a, you know, there's always a probe. And they come across this probe, and this probe shoots a white beam of light at everybody, and w- it wipes their minds. And when you come back from the commercial break, there's an extra dude in the crew. Oh, that! But that I didn't much, know that, that he was an extra later. dude. So oh. he's infiltrating the crew, <laughs> and I didn't realize yeah, that guy's he wasn't acting, part of that. That guy was acting in Riker's role. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. He he yeah. assumed the role of the, of the and first Riker officer. And Riker thought he was married to Anson Rowe. Yeah, <laughs> that went over well when they got their memories. But back. it was a, it was a great episode. And when they get to the end of the episode, and you realize that this guy is like a Quisling, I'm like, oh. Okay, yeah, so I was going right along with the rest of the crew. I had no idea this guy was new because I hadn't seen, like, I think that's a fourth season episode. That's a fourth or fifth season, yeah. Cause, uh, so I'd I was missed in the Navy all this time in the, in the series. But you, to a degree, you could kind of fall back into uh, to next gen, I think. The latter ones, I think, they're much too 
you know, build upon you know, build upon yeah. each other. Let me, let me ask you this: now, they, when they finally made the, the original series in HD, they went back and redid all the effects, and they really cleaned it up as much as they could. Again, they couldn't really do didn't anything about the stunt people or the wigs, but they, by and large, they they cleaned up, made the effects look a lot different. Let's be honest: as much as when we watched Next Gen back in the day, and we kept going, well, those are feature film quality special effects. They don't really hold up the way no. they used to. Should they go back and replace a lot of those effects? Well, they have. They started they? to in. Oh, least, have they? For yeah, the next be, gen. Yes, because in there, I think there was a Blu-ray release, and you, I saw it in the encounter at Farpoint where the alien thing rises right. up. That's actually Starbase comes up. Mm-hmm. It's like in high detail. Well, I know they put it out in HD, but they changed the effects. No, they. Yeah, I. Th- well, re- I, I thought they had kind of beefed up the effect, unless they just really cleaned it up. It, it totally looks to. different. Mm. Because even at the time that, that Encounter at Farpoint was brand spanking new on television, I remember actively thinking at the time watching it that the special effects are terribly uneven in that episode. Because you've got the jellyfish creature at the end of it lifting off into space. Looks pretty good. You've got shots of the Enterprise. There's a shot of the Enterprise in that that's horrible to this day. And it's this composite shot when Picard finally puts it all together... And they want to send, the, I think it was like a neutrino beam or something, down to the planet to feed the jellyfish creature to bring it back to life. And it's this space shot, and it's the Enterprise is static, and the stars behind it are moving, and the beam comes out and it shoots down, and it looks like some third grade class put it together with paper mache. It's horrible looking, and I'm, I've always thought that was a terrible shot. But other shots in it, again, with the space creatures, are, look great. So it's, it's just this uneven balance between... A lot of it, the problem with the early episodes or the early seasons was that everything was on videotape. The videotape does not lend itself to post-special effects, you mm. know. Mm. They didn't shoot it on videotape. Yeah, they did. No. Yes. No. Season no. one? No. They didn't shoot that on videotape. No way. Absolutely. No. Yeah. I'm going to defy at you. At least, in, I, I, look it up. you got a computer <laughs> right in front of you. I, I swear to God, yeah, with, with uh, Encounter anyway, Football, shot on I'm, video. But uh, I, Back to podcast. But no, but to, answer, <laughs> to answer the question I, I think Scott was posing, though, is what, how would I feel about that? It, it's weird because, you know, when, when I got word that they were going to be doing that with the original series, of course, this was post- George Lucas fiddling around with the original trilogy of Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. So, love me my Star Wars, but Star Trek, I mean, is right up there too. And that's so much a part of my childhood, maybe even more than Star Wars in a certain degree because it predates Star Wars, of course. You know, I, I don't remember a time before Star Trek, whereas I can clearly remember going to see Star Wars you know, in 77. I don't remember my first Star Trek episode. It's just It's been ever-present in my life. So anyway, I, I heard that, that they were going to go back and tinker with the original. And I freaked out. I'm like, what are you doing? Thinking it was going to be some horrible George Lucas. And that's not me hating on Lucas. I love George no, Lucas. But Lucas. what he did to the original trilogy with the, the post-dated stuff, it's just horrible. I really don't like it, any of it. So I was really, really not happy. But then I've seen the episode. Have you guys seen the cleaned up Star Treks? They look nice. Yeah. I mean, the new effects well, it blends in a way that the Star Wars special editions don't blend. You, the Star Wars special well, edition shots come up, and it jumps out and slaps you. Hey, stupid, this is a new scene that you've never seen before. The, the new Star Trek ones don't do that. Well, because they don't add any time to it. It's the right. same time yeah, it's frame. The same time. They just yeah. make a new special effect well, shot. So the, the, the soundtrack is the same. 
there's really not that big of a change. And, the, just, nice. and the design of it is consistent with what was originally there. Right. It's just they went, well, if we could actually have done more with this because they had budget and technology issues, this is what we would have done instead. Right. What I really like about it is that some of the changes that they have done have been so subtle, I didn't even catch them. It had to be pointed out to me because there's an episode, might be Naked Time, I forget, but there's an episode where, where uh, Sulu looks down at the chronometer. Now, in the original episode, the chronometer was the old flip type, you know, where the thing, it was a counter. And so they went back and they digitally touched it up to where it's now a digital display, which it should have always been. You know, it's the future. Is it and like a VCR and it just flashes it. I mean, I, it, was, it was so seamless that it never even occurred to me until I, I think Chris pointed it out in an episode. He was like, hey, by the way, did you see they changed the chronometer? And I was like, never even, never even occurred to me that they had done. So that's the level of detail that they're going for, but doing it in such an inintrusive way that never even occurred to me. I, I think that's great. I, think, I wish that's the way that Lucas had done with the, with the trilogy. It drives me nuts to watch the special edition Star Wars things and they add all this craziness that doesn't blend, yet the same continuity errors are still in the movie that still jump out and smack me. You know, I don't know. Okay. This isn't Star Wars. Yeah, I'll be all right. I'll, be all right. I'll get over it eventually. Because, you know, we could have some Aaron Gray come in and teach you some Tai Chi to, to get over that. Well, that's uh, time. Time's are we really? We wow, that any, went uh, fast. Any questions well, or anything? Any questions? Oh, wow. Our time's up. Yeah. yeah, that's why she keep checking. Oh, okay. We got to the next one. Oh, is that oh, it? I thought them. she was just like, okay, oh, it's those guys again. Yeah. 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 Well, there's a lot of... Yes. I would, um, yeah, next gen. You even I get it in Enterprise. Eventually, what's that? You even get it in Enterprise. Yeah, well, that's the thing is, at, you take all of Star Trek as a whole, like like every incarnation, and put them all together and say this is Star Trek, which is how I try to do it. Although I'm often wanting to pull at least one of them out and say no, that never happened. Um, you take it as a whole. I think, yeah, it, it became a crutch after a while. But you because do. But you have some great. You have. You, you got. You do you've have got some City great. You've got Edge of Forever, and you've got you know the Voyage Home, and you've got. I mean, there, time travel when it's done well and right is a beautiful thing, and I can't. I can't blame people for wanting to go up to the plate and taking a swing. No. Uh, so a lot of them just unfortunately go out swinging. They, uh, but uh, they created a whole temporal agency. That's true. That's yeah. true. <laughs> in the books. Well, I, I was going to say much the same as you do. Is that while I feel it's it's horribly overused, I think the the ratio to awesome versus eh, why they do that is is pretty high. There, but there are a couple that I'm like, you know, you just didn't have anything else that that week or whatever. But um, I'm even struggling to remember really what they were. So I guess it's not really that much of a complaint. I know the one where um, Voyager had where they do the whole explaining who Gabriel Bell is thing with DS9. I thought was a complete waste of time. I, I never liked that one. And there's a Voyager one that, while it's entertaining, ultimately I don't think serves much of a purpose either. It was the one that had um, oh, Penelope Von Sweets in it there. What the hell's her name? Um, well, there was two, ah, there, there was two big time tra- travel things in Voyager. There was one with the, the guy from that 70s show. And ultimately that never happened. Right, because it, it eventually wiped itself. Yeah, but it was itself two episodes. What it was like Year of Hell or something, yeah. part one and oh, two? Oh, that one, yes. Oh, yeah. See, I like that one. But eventually one. it didn't matter because yeah, it all got yeah. it retconned yeah, itself out of existence. Those are the kind of... Yeah, that was the... Yeah, but it was pretty good. It was a good you know. ride, but yeah, ultimately time travel... And this, this owes back to more being a comic book fanboy growing up is that... Uh, 
One of my favorite villains, and I still can't understand why he's one of my favorite villains, is a guy named Perdegaton. Who that was his stick. He was a time traveler, and he was always traveling back in time to mess with um, the, the Justice Society of America. Every single per degaton story ends exactly the same. It, as soon as you pick it up, you know what you're in for because they're all going to end where none of it ever happened. I hate so he's time the mysterious like the Justice that. Society. My kind of time travel story is much more Terminator, where everything that happened ultimately was meant to happen, and it's all a vicious cycle that feeds itself. That's the ones that I like the best, and I think some of the best Star Trek ones have been that that Does formula. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Mm-hmm. Great episode. Great episode. <laughs> Found a great loophole for bringing uh, for bringing Tasha back. I thought yeah. it was fabulous. Thanks for joining us, guys. I appreciate it very much. KFC, following through on our tradition of healthy eating all weekend long. Nom, 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 nom. Did you get your sides? Yeah, I didn't get a fork. You didn't get a fork? What did you just take? A spoon. Oh, you got a spoon? It's a spork. Oh. Is it a spork? No, that is a spoon, dude. Yeah. You don't need a spork. What do you need a fork for? Yeah. I don't need a fork. Do you need a fork? I guess not. What do you need a fork for? Pick it up and eat it like a man. Back in the caveman days when they went to KFC, they just kill it with your bare hand. <laughs> they went to KFC. So this is the post-con wrap-up. It is. I think you are. I think you are still glowing, sir, from, <laughs> from being in close proximity to Aaron Gray for over an hour. Yes. I was sitting in the front row. Did Did you notice how casual I was sitting too? I had one arm up on the chair sometimes. You were looking rather inviting. Well, no, you know, no creepy was the word I was looking for. You know, as 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 Miss Gray said, she she is a. Um, what did she say? She is <laughs> not coming over to your place. That's what she oh. said. She said she was a sexual being. <laughs> yeah, I, I think did. that was an exact quote. Yeah, that uh, you're not exaggerating. Man, I wish I wish she would let us record that though. That was actually a really good panel. I think the best quote about the panel came from Matt. Star Wars in character, <laughs> who was in the front row across from me on the other side, and he said, he "said I think the best part of the panel was when was watching you trying not to react, <laughs> trying to do the stone, you know, screen. yes, sexual animal, yeah, uh-huh. mm-hmm. say more about that." As we were figuring, she's got to be about sixty-four. Which puts us up, puts her up there with being old enough to be our mom. Yes, and still, she still got it. Yeah, very attractive. She's very into Tai Chi and Eastern medicine. I mean, she filled up the hour easily. We mm-hmm. didn't. I mean, we asked a little question, you know, a few questions in a crowd. It was a nice little, I even though it, it was a small con. I liked that it was very, yeah. It, it was, was informal. Yeah, well, it was very intimate. So, you know, you, you've got a chance. Because you wouldn't, if there was a large crowd in there, if it was a, you know. A, no, that would have devolved yeah, into chaos. Yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to get those little moments where you could actually just kind of interrupt and go, well, can you, you know, can you clarify or, you know, could you mm-hmm. tell me about this? And that was nice because I think most everybody in there got to ask some form of question. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't know her, so I didn't ask her. <laughs> <laughs> that, by the way, is one of Scott's sons. Hello. Oh, wow. <laughs> we had Mr. Logan with us. Well, Logan was just kind of lost. Like, who is this lady? Well, I'm, as soon as she said she was from Buck Rogers, I sort of knew her. 
I don't find her attractive at all. <laughs> Ooh, she looks like Grandma. What's wrong with you guys? You're all sitting there. Yeah, 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 yeah. But no, she was pretty. Cool. I didn't realize she was 28 when that she was on that series. Mm-hmm. Wow, man. We're just. And you think how young you were when you watched it? You're probably. I was nine or ten. Well, let's see. She said the the movie the movie hit the or the show hit TV or the movie hit the series in what seventy eight. So yeah, I was ten. I yeah. was ten. Yeah, I was nine. Huh. Wow. I never got a chance to. I was hoping we, we'd get a little more one on one, like maybe afterwards or something. She she pretty much bailed as soon as it was over. She did have a handler too. That guy kind of came in. Yeah. Like a big sumo looking guy. He was huge. Big big Samoan guy. But uh. While I, I don't have real clear. I mean, I, I I remember watching the show, but I I couldn't tell you details of the show. I'd, I'd actually forgotten about the hawk guy until somebody brought that up and it made me laugh because it was rather ridiculous. I thought, but I do very distinctly remember the motion picture because I actually saw that at the Black River Drive-in when I was a kid. See, I don't remember seeing the movie separate from the show and maybe I didn't <laughs> like I remember seeing Battlestar Galactica in the theater mm-hmm. and the summaries between Star Wars and The Empire Strikes Back there was a glut of just knockoff movies you know mm-hmm. movies that were that were attempting to cash in on the success of Star Wars right and they, generally speaking, ranged from eh to, oh my god, that was abysmal. There were very few of them that were kind of breakout, you know, where they were like, hey, you know, I, I fully acknowledge that this is a Star Wars ripoff, but you know, that wasn't bad. Buck Rogers was one of the few. I actually really liked that movie. I liked I that show. Really good. Yeah, it was good. I, I really enjoyed it. I think it helped that it came from an established property. You know, it, it had existed before. Yeah. So it gave it a, le- a level of credibility, although I don't feel like they really took much from the original property. It still gave it a level of credibility above something like, say, which what was the other one? Battle of... Battle, Battle of, Beyond the Stars? Yeah, that was it, yeah. Which, oddly enough, you're saying that probably benefited because it was an established property. If you look at Battlestar Galactica, that was not an established property, but yet had the same producer. Right. I believe it was Glenn Larson. Yeah. That's one I've been meaning to go back and watch now, all these years later. I never really gave Battlestar much of a fair shake beyond the movie. Mm-hmm. Because, again, I saw that one at the theater, too, or not the theater, but the drive-in. I saw that one at the drive-in, too. And sat there in a nine or ten year old foaming rage because I could see that it was clearly ripping off Star Wars. And I think that was actually the first post Star Wars ripoff that I watched, and it just it, it, it just made me livid. So I didn't really watch no, it. Or, that wasn't really a Star Wars ripoff. Well, see, that's the thing is looking back on it now, I'm like, oh yeah, I could let because all just, that go, yeah. you know, and, and just enjoy it because. I've read a lot of the... I've been trying to collect all the comics and back issues because Simonson did the bulk of that stuff, and it's actually beautiful. Mm-hmm. And as I've been collecting them, I've been reading them. And actually, it's not a bad story. I mean, because the overall theme is the, basically the, the, um, the colonial planets. 
are attacked by the Cylons and they're virtually wiped out and the whole human race goes on the run right. from them looking to find the, the lost tribes, supposedly, which is planet Earth. Right. Which, you know, I mean, other than the fact that they're science fiction, it's really not really that tied to Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Unless you want to say a Cylon's like a stormtrooper. But even there, they're robots. Now, I know in the original series, they do eventually make it to Earth. In the reboot series, do they actually ever make it to Earth? Uh, I don't want to say in case somebody's listening has never seen it. Oh, okay. I mean, I can tell you later, but even then, even then, you might just want to watch it on your own. So the reboot series is, is, is has similarities, but is very different. Yeah, I watched a bit of that. Not much, but I watched some of it. In the original series, they had that follow-up series called Galactica 1980. Right, yeah. I remember watching that as a kid. I remember because they had the flying motorcycles, which I thought were really cool. Mm-hmm. I'm sure watching it today, I'll have a different reaction, but back then I thought that was really cool. And was that pre or post? No, it had to be pre, right? Return of the Jedi, so... Oh, yeah. So they actually had speeder bikes before Star Wars did. Technically, yeah. And they could go higher. <laughs> fly around in them. Not that they just like hovered like they were ho- did like they? a hover bike. I thought they could go a little higher. I mean, I'm not doubting you because I, I only have the vaguest I, I, It's been a while. Didn't I think they talk that, about mm-hmm. in Star Wars The Clone Wars, the animated series, whatever you want to call it, um, I thought they touched on that speeder bikes actually could fly. Oh, did they? Because hmm. I thought Ahsoka wrote one. <clears throat> Excuse me, one episode. I don't know. We, we, we were talking about that the other night with Scott Rife, and I don't know if we were recording. Because I think it was. I've been trying to go back and watch that now that it's all on Netflix. Is that Clone Wars? Yeah. I remember talking to Matt about this. I'm not sure. And, because compared, I don't, I don't know if I'm really thrilled with the new animation I'm seeing for the new series coming out. Rebels? Rebels. Yeah, see, Chris and I were talking about Rebels the other night, and I have to be honest, I, I'm really not feeling it. I'm just, I'm kind of like, meh on the whole thing, you know? But is that an age thing? Or is that... Could be part of it. I think, for the most part, I think I'm having a kind of an enterprise reaction. Where I'm looking at it and going, wait, this looks like a young Jedi Knight, a feisty female, a big alien guy, and a little feisty robot. And doesn't this kind of (laughs) feel like the classic guys? Yeah, it's set years before the first movie. Yeah. So I don't want another scenario where you're watching an earlier group of essentially the same archetypes doing everything the other people did before the other people did. You now, know? maybe they'll take those characters and they'll be the, the point of view characters and fill in other things. But being that it's on Disney XD or Disney, mm-hmm. I don't know how dark they're going to get. Because that's supposed to be a, you know, that's supposed to be the quote unquote the dark times. See, it's funny because Chris said exactly the same words. Oh, really? <laughs> he fears it won't be dark enough compared to Clone Wars, and this should be a very dark time that they're headed into. Exactly, like you know, are they, are, are they going to stumble across Obi Wan in this? How far back was uh, Knights of the Old Republic? Uh, uh, that was that's thousands. thousands. You know, it occurs to me that we have probably got enough audio to do an entire month. We did a Star Wars panel. We did a Star Trek panel. Hmm. We did a 
podcasting panel who could arguably fill in for, like, say, Comics Monthly Monday or something. And then we've got enough on the road and recap audio to be the fourth week to take an entire another month off. <laughs> Don't think I ain't thinking about it. Well, yeah, just stretch it out. I mean, because what are you going to do? Dump all this at the ones at the same time? Yeah, that's what originally what I was going to do. And then I'm thinking, we've got hours and hours and hours of audio. Nobody's going to sit through that in one episode. Mm-hmm. It kind of make up for the fact, too, that pre the con, we didn't ever really pump, uh, pimp it on shows at all. But we didn't get enough information. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is it's, that's not really our fault. I would, I would have been glad to pimp it with more info up front, which we didn't yeah. get. All this dead air. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be supper three three freaks instead of dinner for mm-hmm. geeks. Yep. <laughs> Did have a blast though. We got to see so many people. We'll call Gardner and Son. That theme that theme tune is uh, is spoken for. That's, that's what Chris uses for Glasgow. Uh, oh, yeah. Do you listen to that? Oh, yeah. It's a damn good little show. I like that. He surprised me. I'm the guy in the commercial. I'm the voice of Arnold in the Grom. Uh, this is do me. Oh, that's right. Yeah, okay, yeah. You know, it's funny you said Arnold, and immediately I thought of Arnold Ziffel. I don't <laughs> know why. I used to do. Oh, yeah, you I used, used to do Arnold Ziffel. Too, yeah. I was thinking of bringing him back, too. Oh, please. You don't want Arnold Ziffel to come back? I never liked that show, dude. The Green Acres. Yeah, but he's not... Is there butter up there, do you know? Uh, I forgot mm-hmm. we got biscuits. Did you eat your biscuit already? I get mine in I already wolfed mine down. I didn't eat butter. It's it's, it's, it's actually oh, already it's tastes buttery. It's a buttery biscuit. Yep. Butter. Ooh, that's a big old piece of meat. <laughs> Look at the size of that breast. Well, it's good because you yeah. that chicken's <laughs> big, too. <laughs> Because those other two pieces were kind of scrawny. Poor little scrawny chicken. Never did no harm to nobody. <laughs> the size of that chicken that uh, <laughs> cut the, the French restaurant. <laughs> so you con me into buying more comics. It was a hard sell. Dude, you got the score. I'm serious. You post that up on, on the on the Facebook group, and everybody's going to be like, "Oh my god, I can't!" Bo-. I'm serious because you got the score of the con. The first 26 issues, zero through 25, first 26 issues of James Robinson Starman, three for a pound, twelve dollars. Is that what he finally let it go for? Twelve bucks? Yep. Man, that's less than fifty cents a book. It was like just over four pounds, like four point oh seven pounds. Damn. I, I mean, I was so tempted, but I'm pretty sure I've I think if I had t- taken the bags and boards out, then I'm like, man, then I'll have to re- have. rebuy them again. Now I, then I have to buy more of them anyway. My only, my only thing now is that I don't. I hope I haven't built it up too much. Where you go home and you're like, what was he talking about? This sucks. But no, I, I really don't expect you will. Everybody I ever have known that has read that has loved it. I'll scope it out. It's a lot of chicken. Yeah, it's it's good. Thick. I mean, much like, much like we originally had doubts about the con, we were like, mm, 
how's this going to turn out? I mean, I think we, I think we talked about it last night that we were just victims of bad timing. Mm-hmm. There was the major headliner of the con was going head to head with us twice for our panels, <laughs> so we kind of were limited on the crowd we got. But I think that really worked out in the Aaron Gray panel. Yeah, and it would have been so nice if we could have recorded that. But we respected her wishes and shut the recorder off. I had a blast. I mean, I had a blast with everything we did. I, I, th- I thought we did a really, really good job. I had hoped that the podcasting one went a little bit better, but that I will completely cop to the fact that I did zero prep for that one. I just wish, I just walked in like, well, this shouldn't be too hard. And it was a little rambly, I thought. But beyond that... Oh, we had to the Star Trek one was a riot, man. I mean, that Star Trek one... Because it's funny, because just I, before it started, I, I... I missed the first five minutes because I was schmoozing up the air. It's funny, because you, you, <laughs> you bailed. I said, I'll be right back. i got to go see if I can get it. Because she said she was getting ready to leave. But then I saw her, like, at 4 o'clock. I was like, you said you were leaving. <laughs> you must go. You lied to me, Aaron. I thought we had something. <laughs> I thought you went to take a quick whiz. Is what oh, I, no. I thought you were going to the bathroom between panels. And then I said to Sarah, I said, what the hell time is it? He's like, we started two minutes ago. I'm like, all right, well. And then we kind of made a joke out of waiting for you. And then eventually I'm like, you know what? He didn't go to the restroom. He's out there macking on Aaron Gray. (laughs) And everybody laughed. So at least we kept getting laughs out of everything. But at one point, just before we sat down, I turned to Scott and I'm like, what the hell are we doing for this anyway? He's he's looked at me like like he just had this cold panic look in his eyes like, I thought you had a plan, you know? So like, I was there for that. That was when I... Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, because you guys said that, and that's when I went, I gotta go you know what? I'm going to bail. <laughs> <laughs> good, good luck. I'll be back. Tell you what, you guys go out there and die. And uh, But no, I mean, I, then I, it, at first it was like... So I, I don't think you were there for this, so I basically just told the, the audience at that point, you know what? The sign's wrong. So Star Trek podcasting. Oh, now we're that talk makes about. sense because later I was yeah. like, uh, "Are we going to get back to podcasting?" No, because I never got back to it. No, part it, it just became a big old commercial for Star Trek Monthly Monday at that point. Sweet. But hey, everybody was cool with that. Well, see, Scott also kind of surveyed the audience. He asked everybody, "Are you here about getting into Star Trek podcasting?" And they were like, "No." Oh, okay. So the older people on one side. Because we had the older guy with the like Hawaiian type shirt, right? So they were all just interested in Star Trek in general. Yeah, just yeah, they just wanted to hear us talk Trek. So oh, that's okay. why I talked it up. You know? Okay. And how about the two young girls on the left hand side? Unless I was able to just, and that was pretty much the audience. <laughs> well, there was there was an old couple. There was a guy that was really excited that was up close yeah, up front. Yeah, I talked to us after the, uh, the thing. Those two guys. Oh, I think those two guys were in the first one. The two guys. Yeah, they were the first yeah. one. Were they like twin brothers or something? I don't know. Because they looked a lot. They looked a lot alike. I don't know. There was the two young girls that sat back there on their phones pretty much the entire time. Oh, plus Matt was yep. in there from Matt. Star Wars and Character. I thought there were some people further in the back too. I mean, it was small, but mm. I enjoyed it. Probably be more next year. Well, that's the thing. Is it's you know it's it's first year and they're trying to establish themselves. They were up against two. As it turns out, there's two cons that we were competing in, so not just two. one. Mm-hmm. Matt was telling me that in addition to Tampa Bay, that there was a Harry Potter, some sort of Harry Potter thing going on right here in town. 
So oh, between man. what's going on at Universal and Harry Potter's fandom, and you know, so we were they were pulling that crowd. So I mean, you, you take all that into consideration. I think we actually had a pretty good turnout. We had. Um, we also dropped the admission fee. That helped. That was a smart move. Which it had always been. I could have swore when I was younger that some cons that I went to. Like, they didn't charge you to get to the dealer room. Exactly. But That's just stupid. Were they charging to get into the dealer room? I would expect so, because they had the dude that was checking for wristbands when you went that's, through the that's archway. That's crazy. That's stupid. Yeah, it is. And that's totally dumb. I mean, that kind of hurts the... Okay. It helps the dealers, but it doesn't help the con. But usually the dealers have to pay the con to, exactly. to go in there anyway. So it's like... <clears throat> maybe you do, like... Okay, if you want to access the things in the con, but then you got to really police it if you don't. So I guess that's why they, I guess they feel it's easier to just lump it all together. See, I'm the same way as you. I, as a kid, I went to a lot of like one day shows, and I don't remember ever paying for it ever. Like, I went to years ago. I went to something in Tampa. Um, uh, my buddy Joe and I, we went to uh, Mar- Mar- Marina Sirtis was there. It was just before. Um, Generations came out. Hmm. And did you get to meet her? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I got her to sign. I have the um, Star Trek encyclopedia that was out at the time. Oh, that's cool. And I got her to sign at her entry. That's neat. So, and if I ever get any more Star Trek ones and they're in the book, I'll have them sign in at their entry so I can get all these, you know, signatures. So far, what else have you met? Well, at that same con, this is this is where I'm going with the story. At that same con was Armin Zimmerman, who played Quark right, from yeah. DS9. I like him. Well, he wasn't charging for his autographs. And there was what Marine service was. You had to pay like 10 bucks for her autograph, which I thought was reasonable. Yeah, 10 bucks ain't bad. So he wasn't charging, so he had this massive line. Like Everybody that came to the con was in his line. And he was just happy as a pig and slop to, to sign off. You I've know, heard he's very cool. And people are like, you know, so some of the, like, we heard some of the comments, oh, I can't, he'll be in there all day, I can't believe he, you know, he's not charging. So. See, I'm with, I'm with Scott Wright. Ultimately, the, the signature thing, I don't see paying for it, you know? You've paid to get in. I think that should be it. But then there's the other half of it that's, that you know sits in my back in the back of my mind, saying that you know for some of these people that's how they're making their that's how they're eating. Well, that's what I was know? thinking too because one thing that I talked to her when I bailed on you guys because one thing we didn't get to in her in her panel because we had touched on her and that's my phone ringing. It's my wife saying, "Where are you?" Is that another different piece? Yeah. Oh, I got screwed. I got one massive one and two puny ones. You got like two massive ones. Yeah. No, but, um, well, it was like one joined together, but it was um, a massive piece. Yeah. Chicken mind meld? My breast to your breast. Uh, <laughs> Whoops, that didn't sound right. Shut up. So, one thing that I we didn't cover in the in the con was 
because uh, what she talked about how she got on Buck Rogers, right? Which was kind of interesting in itself that she had been filming and went to the audition with a bad attitude. And got the part, and it was the bad attitude that got her the part because she was not, you know, cookie cutter like all the other people that were applying for the role. See, I always expected she got that role because her character and the way she played her character was so Princess Leia. I, that's what I always thought as a kid. But it wouldn't have been out when they were in production. It wouldn't have been out. It would have been. See, I'm ah, not sure yeah. about the, the sequence of events in that story. Because hmm. I was always under the impression that Buck Rogers got greenlit because of Star Wars. But wow. I mean, I could be wrong. So that so the legend says, uh, what you call it, Black Hole was in production before Star Wars too, according to legend. I don't know if that again. Yeah. I don't know if that's true either. But. Then she told us about her um, acupuncture, <laughs> a three-hour acupuncture session that she was hoping there was a, wouldn't be an earthquake when she'd run out naked with needles all over. Come on. And I don't remember anything after that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what I kind of glazed over, too. But she does Tai Chi, is her deal now, and... But she didn't get the cover, and what I asked her when I bailed, this is where I was going, was that she has a she basically acts as an agent that gets appearances and schedules appearances for other actors to, to help them. Sub- cool. I, you know, I'm assuming it is called Heroes for Hire, and you know, they, they so it's kind of like Heroes Initiative then with the comic. Yeah, movie. that's the way I kind of took it, and maybe you know, go go look it up a little more because we just didn't have time this weekend, right? With everything we were doing, but uh, that was kind of cool. I got a picture. The uh, the proceeds went to go to charity for uh, battered women. Oh, that's, that's where the cool. money for the picture went. And then uh, I got autographed um, the old Buck Rogers in the 25th Century uh, movie poster, but it's like a small print size. What, yeah. What is the size of that thing? I would say that's probably like an 11 by 17 or something like At that. At least, yeah. And it and it and it came in a nice hard, actually like cupped like a shell. Yeah, like a shell, not not a case, but just a shell, like a sleeve. Yeah, like a mylar sleeve. No, it's nice. It's really nice. And she picked the best one out. She she went. She's like, oh no, that's got a that's got a cut in the corner. No, no, no. Okay, let's do this one. And no, it's cool. She signed it. You know, I, I paid some money for it. <laughs> in case my wife hears this recording, it was twenty five dollars. Yeah, that's <laughs> twenty five dollars. So yeah, I mean, that was exciting. I like you said. Was cool. if, I thought she was it, really nice. If it had been a bigger venue, it wouldn't have been the same. I'm glad that there was an opening in there to where I, I could ask her that question where it worked out and it wasn't like creepy or weird. But I was just curious about that. I've always wondered about that. You know, these women that, that have a role like that and they become like a national sex symbol, how do they feel about that? And she just ran with it. She was like, nah, I didn't care, you know. She was used to getting gawked at by men, so she didn't didn't face her at all. I know, I was she was really, that, you know? she was very open about things. Very open. That you're like, whoa. <laughs> very open. He's easy. Because we've been joking, saying, oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to bring up the episode where she's got the psychic vampire hitting her all up, and she gets <laughs> all crazy, slutty, Wilma Deering, yeah, all right. And then she brought up something, she's like, well, you know, one of my co-stars didn't really like it in the, uh, in the psychic vampire one, when I had top billing, it was my story, and 
you know, I got all crazy. <laughs> you start to like, everybody's like, oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> what? Yeah, I don't remember that episode. I'm going to go hunt that one down. Oh, it's like this vampire guy. He's got this big, giant, looks like the... Nosferatu or something? Yeah, but he's, I swear he has like an ass head from, you know, the ass head <laughs> And he does. He looks like... But only certain... Like, people can't see him. He can make himself only invisible. Only little kids. Oh, wait, so you haven't seen... You haven't seen E.T., so this is just lost on you. Never nope. mind. Nope, E.T., never seen it. Seen bits and pieces here and there. That's just wrong, man. Get the, Logan's get looking at me like I'm from Mars all of a sudden. it's un-American, isn't it? Only little kids can what? See him. Only little kids can see E.T.? No, but that's a that's a line. I've hardened. I mean, he's trying to tell his little sister that oh. they can't, that she can't tell the mother about ET. She says, "Oh, he says only little kids can see him." She says, "Give me a break." I've hardened my heart to ET. I deny <laughs> his existence because he bumped Star Trek Two or at the con off of the top movie list back in '82. In that week, I vowed never to see it. Under all that do moment, Do you have a moment to talk about E.T.? Have you, have, have you considered giving your heart to I need my pain. I want my pain. <laughs> Accepting E.T. as your Lord and Savior. <laughs> I almost said E.T. <laughs> <laughs> if we weren't in a restaurant, I would say that. I've seen bits and pieces in the movie, but I, I've never had a chance to sit down and fully watch the whole Great thing. Great John Williams score. Hmm. Like I walked by one time the wife and the kids were watching it and I stopped. Stood there with my arms crossed looked at it. Stupid <laughs> <laughs> But it was when he was uh, when he was dying the first time and I was like when <laughs> he was dying the first time. Like, huh, I guess in my eye I gotta go. <laughs> Serves him right. Stupid alien. I like that movie. Good little movie. Man, I am a mess. That's why I don't eat KFC more often. You definitely can't eat it and drive. Or if you can, you won't eat it. <laughs> oh, oh my wheel. god, the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so. You want, the, you want that? I like biscuits, right? I'm going to die if I eat anymore. You know, you're just about eating everything. So I teased far. you with the five-pound bag of Mountain Dew story. Five-pound bag of... What? Oh, the yeah. five-pound bag of oh, Mountain Dew story. Yes, yes, you did tease me with it because I haven't heard this story. I might have told, told Paul this story. I'm not sure. And if anybody's heard it on the network, I forgive me, I'm telling the story again. <laughs> I used to work at a pizza place, and we're back there cutting up pizza dough, making it, blah, blah, blah. The next to us was all the racks of soda syrup. And they came in these big cardboard boxes, and inside that was a silver five-gallon bag of syrup. And you would have to pop off the, the, the head, and, you know, you would bust open the top of the cardboard, pull out the new head, you know, the new thing, and plug in the head, and then it would, you know, extract the syrup up to the front of the store. And they would call back on a little, you know, hey, you know, change, change the Diet Pepsi, change this, change the Mountain Dew. So... We're really in a... It's during the Christmas shopping season, and we're just busy back there going crazy. And the way we would pop open the cardboard on the bags of syrup 
is I would take the back of a butcher knife and I would just pop the cardboard, pull it out, and put it in. Well, not paying attention, I take the butcher knife and I had it turned the wrong way. And I went <laughs> into the cardboard. Now, I looked at it and like, well, it doesn't look like it went far enough to puncture the bag. Maybe I got lucky. So I pull the knife out and I wait and all of a sudden this green thing starts starts to drip <laughs> and I'm like, oh, 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 oh. So then I try to grab it and the cardboard section pops out and now it just goes boom and shoots the syrup onto the onto the tile floor. <laughs> so I'm trying to stop the syrup. I'm trying to get the bag off. And the bag ends up flipping over. The cardboard starts to bust and now it's like the whole side of the bag goes all five gallons of the greens, I mean, concentrated Mountain Dew syrup, just boosh, like in a five-foot circle in the middle of the floor. Oh. And, we, you know, you've got rubber-soled shoes on a vinyl, on a tile floor, and we're trying to mop the stuff. We're slipping all over the place. <laughs> the, the manager comes back, and the manager was an old biker dude. He used to drive a Harley in. He smoked cigars. He was a real hard-ass, but he was funny. He, he comes back he's like what the what the fuck are you idiots doing back here <laughs> and he looks down and he just goes god my god <laughs> clean it up get another bag in there would you okay man we're working on it zip boom zip boom oh yeah not a good old days when I was in the Navy, I all, I did the, just about the same exact thing, except it was with a five-gallon bag of milk. But this time, the cardboard had had got wet. So when I picked it up, the bottom fell out. You should not be allowed in the stock room, which is the moral of this story. And the five-gallon bag fell out, hit the floor, and shot. Boof! You didn't cry over it, did you? You didn't, didn't cry, cry over it. No, because all the other... Because I was working in the Chiefs mess, and all the Chiefs, they, they just stopped there like... Yay! And we had a tip jar, and they went by and put a couple ones in there. Nice job. That was awesome. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> yeah, clean it up, would you? Yes. I got 60 notifications. I think people in 60? 60 since last night, because I didn't look at any this morning. Okay, here's all our Fez picture comments. Marcus Brody, sir. <laughs> I like that one. Fezes are cool. Nothing says partay like a fez or two. <laughs> Near Tangerine Cafe. Yes, we were. Mm-hmm. Bad dates. I like that one. <laughs> Brian Rosen put members of the lodge from Happy Days. <laughs> oh, haha, Michael. Yes, at the first at the Fez House. That's what you said. And then Michael says something about shawarma was our favorite meal at Walt Disney World last year. Before to have again, the cast members of Tangerine were nice. <laughs> Oh, and you told us about Sharma. Uh, and then my, actually, my, my real father in California posted uh, uh, or Oliver Hardy and Stan Laurel <laughs> with the fences. That's he posted funny. a video. <laughs> yeah, Logan and I discovered Sharma at, at that place at the Moroccan Pavilion. It was good, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh. Let me tell you. Let me see if this comes up. What my 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 wife posted about me with the Aaron Gray photo. Uh oh. Uh oh. 
It'll be all over right here. Yeah, she she well not not I I don't have the one I took up yet, but the but the other one. Yeah, this was the response. Come on, come on, bullshit. Show me the picture. <laughs> I got the picture, but I need what people say. Oh, there it goes. So my guess was Aaron Gray was your highlight for your... Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> everybody loved my shirt, and everybody loves Aaron Gray. And that's everybody's like, oh. Chris Tyler says, Billy, I love your shirt. One of my other friends is a girl. She says, oh, my God, for Buck Rogers, she was my favorite. And then you said, this round goes to Scott McGregor. And then this one chick said, you go, dude. That, that I know and then my buddy Joe says where's your photo of, of you and her meet meet her and then ah oh, the connection just dropped you're kidding me <laughs> yeah my wife would miss you too Bill eyes rolling <laughs> was that your wife on there I saw that one but I didn't know who it yeah. was yeah that was my wife Jennifer Beerius Robinson alright hold on let me shut off my internet connection say something witty to close up the show oh is it still recording if you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. <laughs> Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com. 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two, Two True, True Freaks. Are oh, you cheap son of a bitch? Are you crazy? Those guys are retards. I got a good deal on those boys. The scout said they showed a lot of promise. <laughs>